Hey, this is Matt Bronger. I'm the Little Studio Comedy Club Podcast with your host, Jen Johnson. Thank you, Matt Bronger. <laughs> Thanks for coming by. Of course. Thank you. You just made it into Kansas City, I'm assuming, yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you've been here before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A few times. You've yeah. had some barbecue. You've been around the city. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did things go last night? You're here performing at the Comedy Club of Kansas City. Great. The club's awesome. It's one of those little grassroots clubs that, uh, yeah, I was playing Kansas City before this place was founded and the owner just had this kind of little scrappy idea whenever people are like i'm gonna open a comedy club i'm like think again uh. like it's almost worse <laughs> than starting as a comedian yeah but he did it and it's it's bigger than ever and it's nicer than ever and it's it's been cool to watch it grow and you so. know why because they have good food that's what it is yeah it, it, every time you know usually comedy clubs like you guys want chicken fingers that's all we got. Yep. You know, and then there last night he was just like, oh, I got like crab rangoons and uh, uh, we have a, a, a lobster. Like, what? They have a hummus platter that's incredible. Like, I'll go yeah. there for dinner. Like, it's insane. Okay, the comedians are here. That's great. But this hummus platter, that's killer. Yeah. <laughs> Actor, writer, comedian, podcaster, you do it all. And uh, hmm. I feel like I have to mention you and I have the same birthday. We do. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what that means. Okay. Other than... I mean, I feel like it's us and Jerry Garcia. Yes. Like, we're great leaders is and, what uh, that comes down to. Tempest Bledsoe. At growing up, the girl Whoa. from Cosby Show. I was like, I have the same birthday as the girl from the Cosby Show. That's cool. Show. Nice. <laughs> the little things. I never knew that. See? That's funny. Teaching you. Um, so we are close to Halloween now, just a week yes. away. Mm-hmm. And I saw you tweet that you had some new spooky movies that you were going to watch. Yes. That's a thing for you. Do you love horror films? Are you into yeah. Halloween and all that good stuff? I grew up with teacher parents and my parents kind of were like, as long as they got me, in fact, my mom teaches what you are used to teach, what you might call whole language, which is teaching kids not only to learn to read, but like to learn to love to read so that they keep reading. So my mom would like, I try to get me to read books and I was like, I'm not into any of this. And I discovered horror and I just started reading and she was like, you know what? As long as you're reading books, I don't care. I feel like you have a good home life. You're not going to kill anyone, you know? And that's not why I read it. I was never like vicariously through it, but it was just like, oh, this is spooky. This is dark and cool. So that's how I got into it. And of course, Halloween just kind of fed into that for sure. I'm glad you're saying that, that you're healthy, because I have a sixth grade daughter who loves horror movies. Yep. If you ask her her favorite Christmas movie, she will say Die Hard. Like, she loves anything super scary, and it bothers her in no way, shape, or form. You know, she can watch Nightmare on Elm Street and be like, yep, pass the popcorn, give me the candy. And I think, is it okay that I'm letting her watch this? Especially because when you learn that horror, it's fundamentally based on our darkest fears, which aren't just being killed. It's like the werewolf. That's basically alcoholism. What did I do last night? Huh? You know, Dracula is basically like fear of being alone. Frankenstein is mom doesn't love me anymore. The people that made me. And then that to me is like the worst, you know? So, but when those kids get in touch with those fears very young Mm -hmm. and they're not afraid of them, they can kind of do anything. Yeah. You know, it's like the idea of the final girl. Do you know about that? No. Okay. So the final girl in, in slasher movies, there's always like the slasher going around killing all the people like say Friday the 13th at, at a camp. Right. Halloween in a cute neighborhood in Pasadena. Uh-huh. <laughs> final girl is in that is Jamie Lee Curtis. Like she is the last girl. Everyone else is dead. Yeah. And so it's just up against, she's up against this unkillable monster. And it's like, what woman hasn't felt like that in their life? Yes. Everybody's against me. This guy won't stop coming at me or, you know, and it's not necessarily a person. It could be an institution, la, 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 la. So for them to identify with this person who finds their own power is kind of cool. I'm teaching her life skills by letting her watch. That's exactly right. And I feel like you knew it all along. So, I totally yeah. did. No, I got the parenting thing down. <laughs> yeah. I am not into horror films. I mm-hmm. And I believe it's because of this. In sixth grade, I was at a slumber party, and we watched Slumber Party Massacre. Yeah. <laughs> that was 
terrible. <laughs> that's like that's like drinking with the wine of the terror <laughs> of the area. You know, like <laughs> what is perfect for right now? That's funny. It was awful, mm-hmm. and now I have watched it since then, and I'm like, how is this? You know, this is the most awful film ever made. Like, yeah. not even. I give uh, platelets sometimes, mm-hmm. where you basically donate white blood cells to people who are recovering from cancer. I just have a positive blood, and for some reason, they always need that one. And you basically have a needle in each arm for like an hour and a half yeah. and they put a movie on for you and you get to pick your movie and I remember once I picked uh, Fury Road and there's that scene where Tom Hardy gets strapped to the bu- the front of a truck and they put needles in him and they're driving oh. him around and I'm sitting there with two needles on, and he is too but he's on the front of a truck and I'm laughing and laughing <laughs> and the nurse is like what and I'm like look what's happening to him and they're like oh it's the same like it was so that, that just made me think of that with the Slumber yeah. Party Massacre. Totally the same. <laughs> like, I will say I did watch Diabolique this year. That is a oh, yeah. great, like, not really Halloween-y, not gory mm-hmm. at all, but oh, that was a good suspenseful Yeah, I mean, movie. see, that's the thing I like. It's like yeah. you got to have a reason for what's happening. Like, I don't really dig the Final Destination movies where mm-hmm. it's just like, I'm just waiting for people to get die in interesting ways. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like, it, there's no reason you yeah. know in all it's got to have it can be schlocky or weird yeah. or whatever but it's like you got to have some kind of driving force other than i want to see kids die right <laughs> like, i hope so yeah uh let me clarify this the 1955 version of diabolique by oh, yeah. the way sure sure halloween probably different for you now because you have a young daughter yeah she's 14 months i don't know what i'm gonna do like costume wise mm-hmm. i'm still on the fence because it's hard because it's all you know, little princesses and things like that. And I, I wanted to do like Bride of Frankenstein, but like there's no way that wig would stay on. There's no yeah. way. So I don't know. My friend's having a little Halloween thing, so I'll bring her to that. And they all have kids around my age too. Right. Yeah. And then we'll go home and wait for probably non-existent trick-or-treaters. <laughs> we, we're on this <laughs> idyllic street where we're at the end of a yes. cul-de-sac. And so people would see it. They look on the street and go, nah. Yeah. You know, exact same at my house. Oh, they really? look down and like the five houses next to us always have the light off. They don't pass out candy. So people look down. They just see a dark street. Nobody ever makes it to our Yeah, end, yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. fine because I have two. We're out trick-or-treating anyway. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Even though they're in middle school, probably too old. I don't care. I don't think it is. I think uh, once you get into high school, that's mm-hmm. ish. But also kids are also like, I'm too I'm too yeah. cool for this now, Mom. Right. I don't want to. So. I just want to be able to steal the candy as long as I can. Exactly. Twizzlers, yeah. bring them over. Right. <laughs> uh, and you were a stay-at-home dad for mm-hmm. quite a bit of her earliness. Yeah. How did that go? Well, it was great. I mean, it's, pardon the phrasing, but like as I joke on stage, like when all the penis joke emporiums <laughs> closed down, this became my job. Uh, because it, they all did. They all shut down, and uh, and as well they should have. But it was great to fall into something that required Every inch of my attention, yep. you know, it was really cool. I look back on it and I'm just, it's that thing where I'm like, I'm always going to have this year that it was just me and her. Yes. And it was kind of like learn by doing. And, you know, my wife was working, but she was working remotely. So if things got real bad, I could go, you know, knock on the door of her right. office and be like, help. <laughs> but for the most part, it was just great. You know, I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I think any anyone who, who stays home with the kid, it's fully a full-time job. Yes. Yeah, without I, question. I'm always jealous of the, I call it the maternity bubble. Like right after you have the first child, and this is only this way for the very first kid. Okay. That six-week bubble when I got to stay home right after she was born. Like you don't know anything else in the world. You don't know totally. what's being played on the radio. You don't know what the number one movie is. Yeah. You're just in this world with this kid, and it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, for sure. And you don't get that with the second kid because then you're taking care of the first kid and the second kid, and you're right. exhausted, and it's a whole mess. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm always jealous that I'll never have that bubble again. Yeah. Uh, my wife's therapist was like, well, if you're a parent, you're basically in a, in a state of constant grief. 
which sounds horrible, oh, yeah. but you're always missing this person that was just there. Yeah. You know, because the kids grow mm-hmm. day by day by day by day. I just literally got, I just got a coffee before I came here and my wife caught me on FaceTime with Rose as I'm walking to my car and we we're like, you know, talking to her and everything. And I was like, she just looks bigger now. Right. I saw her yesterday, uh-huh. you know, like, and she still looks, it's, it's wild. Yeah. That, like they keep growing. Mine get well, I'm a crier at anything. I cry if I'm happy, sad, whatever, frustrated, yeah, doesn't same, matter. That's same. just how I emote. So I will often just like look at my older daughter and start like to tear up. And I'm like, you're going to leave me for college. And she's mom, I'm 13. I'm in seventh grade. <laughs> I have not gone to high school yet. And I'm like, I know. But in six years, I'm not going to be driving you to volleyball practice. Yep. And you're going to be a couple hours away. Mm-hmm. And I'm never, you're going to leave me and you're going to get married. And she's like, okay, weirdo. Dana Gould, who's an older comedian than me, he has three daughters. One, he just took to college, the oldest. And he was talking to me about, because I'm in that thing of like, oh, now you're in daycare. Okay, you don't need me. You know, but he's like, I dropped her off of college and was like, no, how, hold on. Wait a minute. You don't live here anymore? What's going on? No. No, this is not acceptable. It's it's it never kind of stops. No, and I can't. I sent a picture of him uh, of of Rose at a pumpkin patch. She's, as the doctor put it, abnormally strong. It's a very strong baby, <laughs> and she picks up like she picked up a pumpkin with one arm and ran with it. Nice. Uh, yeah, and uh, then um, I sent it to Dana, and he was like, he was like amazing, and he sent a picture of his daughters when they were smaller with three pumpkins, and then he added, and now all they want is drugs. Oh. Not true, but I was like, I was like oh. screw you, David. Shut up. I don't need to hear this. Now, when you were growing up, I saw, correct me if I'm wrong, in eighth grade, you were voted friendliest in your eighth grade yearbook. <laughs> so lame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Friend. It, and if you look at the picture, not that it's anywhere online or something, I should put it online, but I'm looking at this girl who was my girlfriend for a little while uh-huh. back then, Angie Drake. Hi, Angie. And I'm staring at her in this, like, it... <laughs> Looks like my stare has intention. And so I'm like looking at her and we're in like kind of a heart and it's like friendly. As, you know, it, it, sound, it, it sounds kind of like, like if you, <laughs> this is horrible, but if you got hired at like, a, say, a law firm or an ad agency or something in the 60s or something and there's like a handsy older guy and then I want to stay away from Ed. He's a little friendly. Stay away from Ed. Uh, he, <laughs> that's the way they put it. That but, was your award. But, friendly. <laughs> It sounded. It sounds like a euphemism for being a creep. It wasn't. I swear to God. Mm-hmm. But what did you do to earn that? Do you feel like you were friendly growing up? I think I just wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I'm an only child. So mm. when people are like, and Rose is going to be an only child, as far as we know, uh, that's basically the plan. But when people are like, do you wish you had siblings? It's just like I just don't have anything to compare it against. Yeah. But I will say, you know, the pros are. I learned to play alone very well, but also it taught me how to make friends real fast because it is kind of I mean I went to public school yeah and I don't want to be like sink or swim it's like prison (laughs) it's not it's not it's not because most kids are good definitely kids look down on each other and bully but the thing I hope I get through to my kid if you can laugh it off and kind of make fun back and kind of show them that you know don't play with me I'm cool over here right you know I'm making my own cool they're like okay Okay, this person isn't defined by my scorn or my praise Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And not that I I definitely was. I definitely wanted people to like me. Still do. Uh, That is definitely a flaw of my personality. But, yeah, yeah, I definitely wanted people to be my friend, without a doubt. (laughs) Well, now answer this. True or false? Yeah. This is the opposite of friendly. You almost killed a lead singer. I did. Mm -hmm. Of uh, of Living Color. Yes. Tell me how that happens. Uh, I was a huge fan. 
uh, when I was in 13, when I was 13 years old, I remember going to, there's a, a record uh, store called Second Avenue Records in Portland, still there, that I remember I would go and I'd buy, you'd buy records based on the cover sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and I'd heard Cult of Personality, I was like, this song rocks, I bought it, and I was also like, wow, it's a black metal band, fantastic. You know, so I, I got that, and my friend Lev and I went and saw them at the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall, which is this giant place on Broadway downtown. A couple comics have played there that I know. I think Schwartzen played there. I think Daniel Tosh played there, um, Margaret Cho, but it's beautiful. It's it's Everything's golden in there, yeah. and uh, like I remember I saw Ice Cube there, and I was like, why are you playing here? <laughs> This is way too pretty for gangster rap. But, uh, you know, Living Color was rocking it. And the guy, Corey, um, is it Corey Glover? I think he he yes. ran. He ran. We were in the balcony. He ran up the stairs and then down the balcony aisle, you know, with the cordless mic and the body glove suit. And I was a big guy even then, even though I was like 14 or 15 by then. And I was like, yeah, man. And I clapped him on the back way too hard. And he went pinwheeling down uh, the oh. aisle toward the balcony rail like, you know, oh not not ass over tea kettle, but like arms right. flailing. And he caught himself on the rail and everyone in the balcony audibly, oh, and he, he turned, put his foot on the balcony, turned and kept singing and looking at me. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so like, I don't know. I don't think it was like he was going. He was he definitely caught himself. Yeah. But it, there was that moment of where someone trips. Yeah. And then they catch. But few steps. Uh-huh. A few pinwheeling steps. And you were not escorted out of the venue at that no, point. No, I don't think anyone. Most people didn't see it. Okay. Because everyone's just on their feet right. and, and dancing or, or clapping along. And it was kind of like, yeah, if he was like, let's say, Ed Sheeran playing like a, a, <laughs> a slow number. Yeah, I'd be I'd be tased and carried out. Like, especially now where there's cameras He's everywhere. He's on a piano <laughs> and you're just... How'd you get on stage? What? Good job, Billy Joel. Just knock him off his stool. <laughs> That'll learn you. I didn't know how big I was. It wasn't my fault. You shouldn't have got on stage. Yeah. And you know what makes it worse is I've heard he's like a super nice guy, too. I know. They yeah. all are. Right. Vernon <laughs> Vernon Reed is a great follow on Twitter. He's super funny really? and observant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, you hear a lot of advice on This Might Help with Matt Bronger, your mm-hmm. podcast. Yep. What's some of the more memorable, uh, memorable advice you've heard? Boy, one of the, the, the big themes of the show that we've discovered is, uh, like, I have a friend named TJ Jagodowski who's an improviser in Chicago who's, like, just, like, a god. He's one of those guys who is, you know, uh, as a friend of mine put it, he's an android program to yes and. Like, he can make any scene better, blah, 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 right. and a great teacher. And he has a tattoo on his arm that says, you know. And so it's this thing where anytime you consider a situation, you kind of know what the right thing is. You just kind of need someone else to say it. Yes. So because we're not clinicians, we're not doctors, I say that at the beginning, if you need actual help, I go to a therapist. It helps me. You know, you should talk to someone who's a professional. Do not call in if you need real, real help. Right. But more often than not, people know the answer. They just want someone funny, like myself, my guests, to go, oh, I would do this or blah, blah, blah. I remember this is a mistake I made. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'm not going to really have kids on the show. Uh, I'm going to have people that have grown through some things. Yeah. You know, I had my last episode, I had Hannah Einbinder, who's on a show called Hacks right now with Gene Smart on HBO, mm-hmm. where she plays the young comedian to Gene Smart's Joan Rivers character. Yeah. And she used to be a competitive cheerleader where she's like, I hung out with her. I, I, I knew her mom, uh, Lorraine Newman. Uh, for a long time. Love her. Yeah, she's amazing. And so, yeah, so she's in the shadow of that already. Right. Now she's on that show. But I was like, I was saying how I need to work out every day. On do I have to do something, whether yeah. it's you know, five minutes, 10 minutes of yoga, like something right. every day to kind of tune up because I'm very tall and I'm, and I'm aging. 
So, you know, it just kind of re- reinvigorates me. And I'm like, do you do stuff? Like, you're in good shape. And she said, like, no, like well, I basically destroyed my body at a young age, mm-hmm. you know, doing athletic things. And I was like, whoa, okay. And I didn't pry. But when she was on the show, she brought it up. And I was like, oh, my God. So you did. She's like, yeah, I was a flyer. Uh-huh. Like, they throw you up yep. and stuff. And so dangerous. But also, in terms of, of performance, that is the most intense. Because you have to have everything down. You're doing it with a team, and all eyes are on you. Right. That's insane. All the pressure. That's just crazy. It, it'd be like being like a power lifter, but you have to dance yeah. at the same time. You know, <laughs> if you don't if you don't nail, nail this foxtrot, yeah. while you have this 800 pound bar above your head, you know, I just thought like and and uh, so she, though young, had such perspective on mm-hmm. choices in life. So I don't know if I can pick exactly like one thing someone has said, but. Just real quick off the top of my head, we get a lot of comedians who call in, and one thing that I've discovered that I've never heard anyone say is that people remember you when you kill, they forget you when you bomb, and that's a good thing. So when people are like, I'm so scared of bombing, it's like, yeah, but it's so traumatic for you and them, everyone blanks it out. Right. You know, I don't remember the last time I bomb, bomb, bombed, and I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but it's like my memory wipes it. And the audience just totally forgets it too. They don't save that memory. We had Your brain drops it. You know, comedian Kaylee Carr did this podcast, uh, uh, the last episode, and she said, nobody remembers your first set but you. Like, totally. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, so it's a lot of like, you might as well try the thing. Right. Uh, you know, Helen Keller's thing, security is basically an illusion. You definitely have to support yourself, support your kids, but yeah. you also should be an example of them and follow your dreams in some level so they follow theirs. Because definitely we have that thing where I, I gave up my dream of being right. this to put you through school, Yeah, you can do both if you manage your time well. Yeah. You know. I'm dealing with competition because I'm very, very, very competitive. Okay. Grew up with sports and then obviously working in radio. Right. You know, it's all based on ratings and of you got to be the best. Of you course. You got to be the best. Well, so now that my girls are in middle school, they're playing sports and I'm coaching some of their teams and I'm trying to learn uh-huh. how to let go of being competitive <laughs> and going, okay, third place is okay. It's okay right, to get right, third right. place, but I want it first. Yeah. And so I'm really trying to figure out how to deal with that. Probably need some therapy sessions legitimately for that. Well, but I also think that it's good that you want to win. I don't think that's a bad thing for a coach. I think you want the best for them. Of course, that's yeah. first and foremost. You're not going to let them injure themselves right. to to win, well, crush, kill, destroy. I mean, you know, but... it's not a foul if someone's not bleeding. <laughs> sure. but I'm... Yeah, hey, it, it, it ain't a foul if the ref don't see it. That's right. Uh, but, but at the same time, I, I think driving yourself to do as good as you can, yeah. saying the, the proverbial you, like them, right. that helps you in life yep. for sure. Where you're like, I didn't get to first, but I busted my ass for third kind yeah. of thing. You know? All right. I'm going to work through that. Yeah. Now, when news came out that Norm MacDonald had passed away, mm-hmm. you tweeted about an experience that you had with him in New York that I thought was very interesting. Yeah. Like, I never brought it up to him when I'd been around him because it wasn't even, I wasn't even a comedian at the time. I was in New York. I was in college. My friends and I, and when I say New York, New York State, I was about a half an hour outside of Manhattan. And we had gone in, that, me, my then girlfriend, my friends, Eric and Lori, who were dating, and my friend Lisa, and we had just, we were just, Oh, let's just bar hop in the city. And I know he'd just gotten hired, 
because I remember I remember seeing him. He was so skinny at you know, SNL. At SNL, yes. Yeah. Excuse me. And so he's just at the bar by himself, and I'm like, hey, that guy just got hired in SNL. And this is back when I was like, whoa, SNL, man. Yes. Cool. And it still is <laughs> yeah, cool, yeah. but you know, I know too much about it now, kind of thing. You uh-huh. know, I'm too familiar with it. I have too many friends that have been in and out of that system that right. are still in that system. You know, and I say system because it is. It, sure. It's it's much more than a show yeah. in a sense. So I was like, hey, you just got hired in SNL. He's like, yeah, I did, and I just started talking to him. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm in college and I'm an actor and stuff. And everyone just started talking to him and everything. And then he just like was like saying crazy stuff, but in a funny way. And then he, uh, my uh, friend, uh, Lori, who is this, you know, pretty blonde girl. He goes, he goes, I have an idea. Why don't you and I make out? And then you, Eric, make out with her, Elizabeth, my then girlfriend. And I just laughed. I was like, what? Like it was so out of nowhere. And Eric was like, no, man. Like he got like super mad. And then my friend Lisa, who was just game, was like, I'll make out with you. And he's like, okay. And so they made out. And I only remembered that because the whole story I told was just based on that them, you know, him just saying something crazy, trying to make out with this girl that he obviously liked. And then, you know, it going south. But at the same time, it was funny, despite what Eric thought at the time. And then Randy, my friend Randy was there too, I forget. And she was like, I think Lisa made out with him. And I was like, holy crap, she did. And then Lisa joined the thread, like on either Twitter or Instagram, wherever I posted it. And I was like, oh my God, hi, Lisa. (laughs) And I hadn't talked to Lisa in like 20 years or something. So it was like pretty rad. That's a pretty great run in. Totally. That's nice. Totally. And I'd seen him plenty of times. I'd Mm -hmm. performed with him plenty of times. But it was that thing I never, you know, brought up. Because it's like, I like that memory for what it was. Hey, remember when you uh, pitched yourself making out with a girl you didn't know? It just, that story doesn't go anywhere, you know? It's like, sounds like me. Growing up, SNL was like, I mean, for me, even at eight, nine years old, I could stay up late on Saturday night, uh, Saturdays. My dad would let me stay up just to watch that. Uh, 100%. I would constantly, I'm just doing all the imitations and I just thought that was the greatest thing ever. Oh, yeah. SNL. Totally. And I ended up taking classes at Second City in Chicago. And oh, yeah. Thinking, okay, you never know where this could go. And then look at me back in my hometown of Kansas City doing <laughs> yeah. a radio show. Well, you're <laughs> still you're still performing, though. I mean, I am. listen, every performer, literally every performer has what you just made a, a joke about about yourself. Every yeah. one of us are on different levels, but we're like, ah, but I never got yeah, right. Everybody, yeah. everybody, like you can name the person that's the biggest draw in the in the world. I don't know who would it be right now, Chappelle or something. Maybe he doesn't because he kind of <laughs> doesn't care about anything. But that's one reason he's good. Yeah. But like, I guarantee you, Kevin Hart is sweating mm-hmm. something someone else is doing. He's got a great you book. Know? I read his book not too long ago, and I was like, wow. He busted his ass oh, growing up. Nobody worked harder than harder than yeah. Kevin. Nobody, you know. But like, probably. You know, Bill Burr would deny it, but I'm sure he's got that person that he's mm-hmm. like, eh, yeah, you know, that one guy. Right. <laughs> yeah. I can only, eh. you know, like we all have that thing. And it's like, I feel like our job is to recognize it and go, eh, shut up. Yeah. You know, you got to flick that person off your shoulder because like I'm like that too, where it's like right now it's all about self-tapes. It's all about every audition I get, I mm-hmm. self-tape with my coach and almost none of them go nowhere and Uh, like anywhere. And when I talk to other people on higher levels than me, they're like, yeah, same. Because I think what they're doing is they're like, oh, we don't have to bring people in now. Let's just give offers to the bigger stars and then ask everyone to audition because I can sit at home and watch tape. And it's just this wild, wild west right now where it's almost impossible to get your foot in the door. So it's a frustrating time, but we're all in it. 
And you're doing Zoom auditions at random. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I did a I did a Zoom audition for like a massive national campaign. And they were like, all right, great job, Matt. We're gonna, and, they, and they had me do like a dance. Like there's nothing more dehumanizing than like, hey, dance, give us a little dance. Dance around for us. Yeah, take your pants off. You know, so it's like, like, what am I doing? But it's like, oh, you're doing a little dance to Christmas music. And they're like, all right, great job, Matt. You want to pause? We're going to go in the uh, put you on mute and we're going to come back with some notes. I was like, great. And like that. And then boop, it just hung up. Oh. And I was like. Man, like that better have been accidental. I just shook my ass for you guys. Right. You know, it's like that feeling like, like oh my. And I, I, I literally, I tweeted it. I was like, they made me pause for notes and then hung up. Power move, Hollywood. Because, you know, with a smiley face. Right. Because the only way to take that is that, I mean, it was absolutely a mistake. They later came back on and were like, you're good to go, but didn't say sorry either. Right. Which I was like, you will remember me. You know, but there's always those moments and you got to laugh at them. I would be thinking, no, they're just watching that little dance over and over and laughing at me. It's just <laughs> mocking me and my little dance. Could be. Yeah. Um, so you travel all over now, obviously. Mm. What are some of your favorite places? Like what restaurants stick out to you? Like, oh, I love the, you know, for me, it's the pot roast nachos at Ditka's in Chicago. Oh, wow. Um, that was my favorite thing. Sundays, we'd go watch football and eat the pot roast nachos. That's awesome. So is there, you know, a special museum or a place you love? What do you... I definitely, I always say if I did uh, less research on where I'm going to eat when I go someplace and more uh, work on my jokes, <laughs> I'd be such a bigger comedian. Because I do. I just yeah. look at eater.com. I go to Infatuation. I go to like all these places. And I did here uh, find this great coffee list that this coffee writer wrote about. So there's like, you know, Monarch is on there yeah. and Filling Station. And yep. I actually just came from Filling Station. Nice. Yeah. I had a nice conversation with an elderly gentleman who uh, talked about home improvement. And I was like, oh, I got to go, man. Uh, I'll talk to you. He's like, he's like, right on. Power to the people. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, cool, man. Random. You know? Yeah, sure. But yeah, like, okay, off the top of my head, some cool stuff. Like, I'm definitely going to the original Joe's today, and I'm sure. taking my feature, Sophie, with me, because yeah. she now has her working green card. She's Canadian, and she's in Canada, like the laws are. She could visit America, but couldn't perform. Oh. Like, not even for no money. Like, the archaic laws they have there, but now she can... She's here and she's at the comedy club with me and she's like, oh, this is great. Like, I can do this without worrying. Someone's right. going to find out. I can get a check at the end, yeah. too. So, like, I'm going to take her to that and then I might go to the Gold Knox tonight. I might go to the campground, which I hear is cool. Okay. And uh, But I'm not sure. I might just eat somewhere around the hotel because it's closer to the – the club is pretty far south. Yes. You know, yeah. and um, kind of it, out in the suburbs a little bit, almost. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. I um, live out there. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a lot of houses, but like that's where you can afford to live right. as a human these yep. days. You and know, easy highway that, access, easy to get to. No, totally. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely get around Kansas City like super fast. But let's see. Um, in Chicago, mm-hmm. the the burger at Ocheval, which is it's oh. insane. You've never that. had that. It's in Logan Square. Okay. So definitely check that out. Uh, it's definitely, you know, do all the cardio you can before right. you go get it, because it is just a grease bomb, but it's like a French grease bomb. Oh. So it's like next level. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, gosh, gosh. Let me just think. Let me just keep it to the Midwest. Let's see. Ann Arbor uh, in Michigan, obviously, I'll go to Zingerman's okay. every single time. It's like the King Deli, like the best of the best of the best food. And God, I got to do one more. Come on, come on, come on. While you're thinking the best Please. thing I've ever eaten, my husband's the same way. He will, that's all he does on a vacation is plans it around the food Absolutely. and whatever. And we actually got to go to Paris back in 2013. Yeah. We had a creme brulee waffle for dessert and it was the greatest thing I've ever 
ever had. And I'm sitting there going, I'm in Paris. Yeah. And I'm eating a creme brulee waffle. And like, life does not get better than this. Yeah, right absolutely. Here. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just shout out my hometown. Uh, there's a place called Pine State Biscuits that there's always a line. The guy is from the Pine State. Mm-hmm. Uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, one of them. And he makes these Southern style biscuits. And there's a thing there called the Reggie Deluxe, okay. which is it's a piece of perfectly seasoned fried chicken, uh, fried egg, uh, a little gravy and cheese. Yeah. And you, I remember I ate it like early in the morning <laughs> and I didn't need dinner. Yeah. Like I think I had like some chips <laughs> at like 9 p.m. Uh-huh. Like it, but it's so good. It's like a farmer's meal, but it's like beyond delicious. And it's also like if you're hungover, gone. Right. Just destroys it. And like so. you said, that works any time of day. I would eat that for breakfast. Without a doubt. I'd eat that at midnight, whatever. Without a doubt. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did read a tweet from you that said, they literally hired a stuntman to show me how to slam into a door and fall to the ground. Yeah. Can you describe that? Yeah, that was, uh, we just, we lost uh, Trevor Moore from Whitest Kid You Know a couple weeks ago in like a freak accident. And he was a great guy. And he wrote, this is kind of long story long, but he he wrote this part for me that was a dad who fails at everything he ever tries. And I was like, when well, you shove it up your butt, Trevor, I'm not, and, he's, and he's like, no, 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 but he, he never gives up. And so he inspires his kids. And I was like, okay, I can, I like that guy. Yeah. You know? Not just a lovable loser, but he's a guy that always tries to win. So he thinks he can be a teacher, and he's never done it. And he's he's like, I'm funny, I'm fun. My kids think I'm funny. And they kind of are just laughing to make me feel good anytime I tell a joke. So I get in front of this class, and I did joke bombs, and I freak out, and I have a mental breakdown. And I run away, but I whack my face against the door jam and knock myself unconscious. And so this stunt guy set up a pad, and he was like, here's what you got to do. And he's like, we have this part of the door where you can run into, just hit it with your chest, and it'll, you know, we'll put a sound in post. And I would hit and I would just almost jump. And he's like, no, you want to go limp. You're totally unconscious. And I was like, oh, just fall, just potato sack it. He's like, yes, exactly. And so we went through it a couple of times, but it was this thing of, and I'm in front of a class of kids. And right. it, was, it was fun because the kids would laugh, but yeah. they're like, don't, you have to be a little concerned for him. <laughs> that's what makes it funny, you know? So yeah, that was on his show, Walk the Prank, that like I did that. Yeah, Yeah, because I can imagine my middle schoolers watching it, they would love that. They're Mm -hmm. very much into the human tragedy and the falling. Oh, Pratt Falls. Yes, Yes, exactly. Tragedy plus no time equals comedy (laughs) for kids, for sure. Now I realize I should make them watch old Chevy Chase Pratt Falls from SNL. Oh yeah. We have not done that yet. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, So people can see you in Kansas City this weekend Mm -hmm. and check you out at the Comedy Club of Kansas. Kansas City, you've got podcasts, you're on a million shows, and you have all sorts of things going on. Always busy. Uh, I really appreciate you coming by, Matt Bronger. Oh, this is great. Thanks for having me. I love talking to you. Enjoy Kansas City. I will. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Little Studio Comedy Club podcast.